I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, a.k.a. Mike D., a.k.a. Mike Distro, and I just want to be your movie guy. That's what this podcast is. It's dedicated entirely to me talking about movies. I'm just a guy who loves watching and reviewing movies and coming on every single week and doing a podcast about it. And today, I want to give you guys some recommendations for some comedy movies from the 2000s that you probably haven't seen. Maybe you've been looking for a good laugh lately. I'll share some movies that I think nobody really talks about that may provide that for you. Without any further ado, I hope you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening to this right now. Let's just get started. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So what I want to share with you on this episode are five comedies from the 2000s that I think nobody talks about. And maybe there's a couple reasons why. One, because these aren't really movies that did so great at the box office, so they have that going against them. Some of these were straight to video, but I still think that right now we've been in kind of a drought of great comedies. And the other night I was just looking for... Something that I could watch that was funny and familiar, and for some reason I default to the 2000s. I was born in the 90s, but then was a teenager, obviously, in the 2000s, and I think that's a lot of where my kind of comedic mind kind of formed a little bit. So there was these movies that just kind of stuck with me over these years, and I go back and watch them and still find them funny. So I wanted to share these with you, so maybe you could go out and watch these online and hopefully get a laugh out of so. First up is a movie from 2009 called Mystery Team. It stars Donald Glover, DC Pearson, and Dominic Durkis, who I felt were really just the early pioneers in YouTube comedy. They had a comedy group called Derek Comedy. And this was like in the very primitive years of YouTube before you could actually be a YouTuber as a career. Their channel was kind of in the same vein of college humor, just skits 
funny jokes, and I think just overall were really kind of well-written, and some of the funniest things that I still go back and watch in their full 360p quality, but all the success they had on YouTube led to them having this movie, and the overall premise of the movie is they were essentially all friends as very young kids, and they kind of developed this thing called the mystery team, where they would go around and solve mysteries and help people with problems in their town but of course they were just kids and people were really just being nice to them but then they get older they're all teenagers in high school and they're still doing the same thing they're very juvenile basically huge nerds and everybody kind of makes fun of them but they're really kind of unaware of that like they really want to be detectives that's what they want to do but then out of nowhere they get this actual case to where this young girl hires them to solve the mystery of finding the person who killed her dad. And I think why I love this movie so much is, first of all, I'm a really big Donald Glover fan. If you don't know Donald Glover, he is also Childish Gambino, the musician. But before that, he was doing stand-up comedy, doing the YouTube thing, and I kind of followed him all throughout his career. And I think his really <laughs> unhighlighted part of his career is how funny he was at in stand-up and in TV shows and in this movie. So much so that I actually got to meet and talk to him back in 2011. This was right before his major label Childish Gambino album came out. Like he hadn't put out an official album yet. He'd only put out mixtapes online. And I was working as an intern on the Bobby Bone Show at the time. And he came in to promote that album. And I took my copy of Mystery Team on DVD and had him sign it. Still have it to this day. And I also have a signed letter that I wrote to Donald Glover why he was my hero and why I loved him. I know it sounds weird. And there's a whole video on YouTube, if you look it up, of me reacting to the letter being read to him. So he was also just super cool. Like, I know it's weird for somebody to be that big of a fan and kind of deliver that kind of news to someone. <laughs> and it was a little bit of an awkward situation, but... After that, he signed it, wrote thank you on it, and gave me VIP tickets to a show that night in Austin, and was one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. So I think why I love this movie, it's a mix of kind of, it really kind of defines my humor of something that's not meant to be taken seriously. Like, I know the jokes in this are kind of dumb and juvenile, because I do think it takes some kind of skill to write this kind of humor. It's funny, it has some heart, also has some raunchiness that comes in with an R rating, but just a movie I felt that didn't get the recognition it deserved when it came out. At the box office, only made $89,000 in the United States. Has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 60%, but I would rate it 4 out of 5 magnifying glasses. And also, if you're a fan of Aubrey Plaza, she does star in the movie as well. And this almost feels like it was an adaptation from like an SNL skit, kind of those type of movies like a Wayne's World or a Master of Disguise. If you're into those kind of movies, I think you'll like Mystery Team, even though none of them were ever on SNL. They're all that kind of kind of group of comedic writers, kind of in that Lonely Island style. So if you're into that kind of comedy, I think you'll like this movie. Coming in next on the list is a movie called Rolling Kansas, which came out in 2003. It stars James Rodriguez, which he just edited at Rodriguez recently, Sam Huntington, and Jay Paulson. It's an independent movie about a road trip to find a magical forest of marijuana. Yes, you guessed it. It's basically a stoner comedy, but I just feel like it has some added layers in there. So it's the story about these brothers whose parents were hippies and they were sent to prison when they were younger. And now they're older as adults and they're kind of living this kind of problematic life. 
and they find this map that their parents left them to a secret government marijuana field. They gather up some friends, some dopey acquaintances, and go and try to find this marijuana, which they hope to take home and then sell and make money. And this was a movie I remember watching on Comedy Central, and it's a very hard movie to actually find a physical copy of. I actually tried to find the box office numbers, and it came up a whopping zero. Also doesn't have a Rotten Tomatoes score, but does have an audience score of 79%. I would rate this movie 3.5 out of 5 Goofy Boots, and if you watch the movie, you'll figure out why. But I'm kind of a sucker for a good road trip movie mixed in with some stoner comedy. And I think stoner comedy is a very funny kind of genre of movie when it's done right. Sometimes it gets so ridiculous to where it's unbearable. Sometimes it's like Doodor's My Car where it's so dumb it makes it funny. I think this movie is a little bit in between. So I would say this movie is kind of a mix of Road Trip and Dude Where's My Car. If you're into both of those movies, I think you'll like Rolling Kansas. Number three on my list is a movie called Waiting from 2005. I think this one is probably the one that did the best at the box office from all of these movies. And maybe the most well-known. But it's also a movie I feel that people don't talk a whole lot about. Even though it stars Ryan Reynolds, Ina Ferris, and Justin Long. And they were all kind of a little bit earlier in their careers, especially Anna Ferris and Ryan Reynolds. And the movie is about a group of young employees who work at this restaurant called Shenanigans. And it's basically just them goofing off the entire movie, messing with the other employees, messing with the customers. And I think this is just a movie that you couldn't really make today. One, because it's overly raunchy. It's a very raunchy movie. And I think you would even look back on some of the elements of this movie and you would be like, oh, I can't believe they actually did that. But when it comes to comedies, I kind of like ones that just are people hanging out and doing things and messing with each other. There's overall not the biggest plot in this movie, but it's funny. And there's very memorable comedic moments that you will go back and kind of quote or, or want to joke around and kind of reenact some of the scenes in this movie. And also, if you're familiar with like the restaurant life and what that is, I think you'll really relate to this movie Maybe not all the elements of it, because it's like I said, it's pretty raunchy, but I think it does kind of capture that culture pretty well. And I think also what sets this movie apart of just being an average raunchy comedy does have some heart, which I think the theme here is to make a great comedy, if you're going to go raunchy, if you're going to go trying to be funny, it has to have some heart to pull it all together. That's the difference between a good comedy and a bad comedy in simple terms, so... This movie made $18.6 million at the box office in the United States, which isn't a box office hit by any means, but I do think it's somewhat of a comedy cult classic from the early 2000s. So I would say if you're into the raunchiness of a movie like The Hangover, you'll probably like Waiting. All right, next up on my list is a movie from 2002 called Replicate. It stars Ali Landry, who you may remember from the 2000s Doritos commercials, also, James Rodé Rodriguez, who makes another appearance in this list, and also Eugene Levy. And the premise of this movie, it's about a scientist and his friend who accidentally clone this journalist and decide to turn her into the idea of what they think a perfect woman is. So it's these guys <laughs> designing a woman who loves beer, football, and frat parties. Again, a movie you probably couldn't make today. And again, I think this movie has such a ridiculous premise in no way you would think it was going to be good. But when you watch this movie, you find it has some charm to it and it's actually pretty funny. And it is a little bit predictable. It plays out the way you would think, you know, they have this perfect woman in their minds. Everything's great at the beginning and then they kind of realize, well, you can't really replace 
the real thing when it comes to creating a human. But I remember watching this movie when I was younger and thinking it was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen. And at the time, I was in a punk rock band. We were called Everyday Destruction. I was the lead singer of the band and guitarist. And I was so inspired by this movie, I decided to write a song about it. A song about a clone. And somehow, the song I wrote about this movie turned into one of our quote-unquote biggest hits of our punk rock career. And I was in a punk rock band basically all throughout junior high, high school, and college. And once I got to college, I was like, all right, I either have to do something that's going to make me money or be in a band. So I decided to get into radio. But when we recorded our first ever full-length album, we did a legit album. And this was actually what you would call a B-side to our album. We didn't even think it was that good to make it onto the album. And I remember I didn't even want to put this song out. I was like, I just wrote it about a movie. It's not that great. It's kind of repetitive. (laughs) But our guitar player at the time put it out on YouTube just to see what it would do. And I think out of all the songs we've ever released online, this one has the most streams of anything. So our unexpected hit is about a movie about a clone that very few people have seen. So I do still love the movie, and I did pull a clip of the song. So this is my band, Everyday Destruction. The song is called Replicate, the same title as the movie. I'll bear with this and try to play as much of it as I can to give you guys an idea. Okay, that's enough of that. But yes, the lyrics are, my girl is the prettiest clone I know. I know so insightful, so deep. But yeah, that is me singing and playing guitar in that. So that's based on the movie Replicate, which has a 30% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. No official score. But I would give it 3.75 out of 5 clones. All right, and the fifth and final movie on my list is a movie from 2003, called Haggard the Movie. It stars Ryan Dunn and Bam Margera. And it's basically based on a real story of Bam Margera, directed by him. And the early 2000s, I couldn't have been more obsessed with anything than Jackass and all of their projects. So it started with Jackass, the first movie, and then all of their side TV shows on MTV, whether it be Viva La Bam, Wild Boys. And then they all started kind of doing their own thing, and Bam Margera independently released some movies basically straight to VHS and DVD at the time and this was really the first one he put out that was a cult classic and that kind of if you were into skateboarding if you were into jackass you watched this movie and it was your holy grail of movies and I was probably 14 years old when this came out and I was dying to get a copy of it my cousin happened to get a VHS of it watched it and I thought it was the funniest thing at the time mainly because it was all the jackass guys that I love from Viva La Bam in a movie and they were able to curse and do kind of things that they couldn't do on TV. So this movie was actually never in theaters. It it doesn't even have a Rotten Tomatoes score, but it does have an 80% audience score. And I would give it three out of five forks to the eye. Again, a very raunchy movie. And even watching it back now, you can see how kind of low and independent it was. But this movie was kind of so formative in my early teen years of that whole kind of skateboarding culture that I was kind of a part of growing up but not really because I didn't really get to skateboard because my mom banned it 
after my cousin broke his ankle, and I wasn't allowed to skateboard after that. But I really identified with the culture. I would dress like a skater, I guess. Just didn't actually skate. I aspired to be a skater. But if you were into those jackass movies like I was, if you were into the TV show, but if you were also a fan of those movies and haven't watched this one, it is available for free to watch on YouTube. It has heavy metal. It has skateboarding. It has very lo-fi special effects. So... But that is the list. If you end up watching one of the movies from this list, let me know which one and what you rated it, and hopefully you got some laughs out of it. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So if you had one movie to watch for the rest of your life what would it be that is the question i asked on twitter and instagram and wanted to know what you guys thought because i have my own answer and i've talked about it on the podcast before but i was just curious for everybody listening to this kind of where you land on this topic because it's a pretty 
good indicator of what you guys like and what you guys enjoy. And I wanted to know that. Because I think it's different than your favorite movie. Your favorite movie is one that just resonated with you. And you don't necessarily have to go back and watch it time and time again. Because my favorite movie of all time is The Dark Knight. But I don't think that's my pick here. I wouldn't want to watch that one for the rest of my life because I think that one would get kind of old and boring after a while. I think a movie that you want to watch for the rest of your life is one that you just enjoy no matter. Anytime you hop into that movie, you're going to like it. And also, if it comes on, you're probably going to watch it at any point and just make time for it. I think that is the movie in this case. And I was curious to see how that fit with what you guys like to watch. And was kind of surprised by the variety of responses, but there was also about three clear-cut winners as the ones with the most votes. So at number three, it was Avengers Endgame. And I found interesting, and I was kind of asking people, messaging people back of like, why Avengers Endgame of all the Marvel movies that there are? And basically, the overarching response is that it has everything, which I feel is pretty accurate for that movie because... It's almost like three movies going on at once. It's the a culmination of all the Marvel movies and kind of all those leading up into that movie. So I can agree with that one. It's also over three hours long, so you're getting a little bit more each time. You're probably catching things that you haven't caught before. I'm not sure that I would pick this one. It's not my favorite Marvel movie, not even my favorite Avengers movie, but I could see why this one kind of stuck out there. You're getting a lot here. It's a lot to take in, even just watching it once. I've watched it twice. And I would probably watch it a third time, but after that, I think I would have all of Avengers Endgame. When it comes to my favorite Avengers movie, Infinity War will always rank at the top of mine. I think that one was just a better movie, in my opinion. And my pick for the movie I would watch for the rest of my life is actually a Marvel movie, but not in the universe. It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Kind of on the same lines of the Avengers movie. I feel like there's so many things you can take out of that one every time you watch it. Visually, I don't see that movie ever getting old for me. And Spider-Man being my favorite Marvel character, I just think it's one that tells a different story that has never been told about Spider-Man. And I think that's why that movie received so much praise and I can't wait for the second one to come out. But I think that's just a perfect movie and one I've watched at least five times now and have not gotten tired of and could keep watching it again and again. So that's my pick. Coming in at number two from Votes Online was Forrest Gump. And I think this one is basically because how much rewatchability this movie has. I can't even put a number on the amount of times I've watched Forrest Gump, and I wouldn't even consider it one of my favorite movies. Not even in my top ten, but I understand it. And I also understand that when that movie is on TV, I'll sit down and watch it. And I think it was very long after that movie came out that I had even sat down and watched it from the very beginning to the very end. I would always kind of catch it in different parts And it's a movie you can almost jump in at any random moment and enjoy the story for what it is because it's a lot of different stories in one. But once you do finally sit down and watch that movie all the way through, it's a great movie. And I believe a movie that has also proved itself as standing the test of time. It came out in 1994. And just the visual aspect of that movie and how well I would say it's aged is incredible. For them to be able to do those kind of special effects in that movie back in 1994 shows a lot about that movie. And almost 20 years later now, the movie still ranks up there with a bunch of people's favorites. And after that many years of people still aren't bored by that movie, 
I think that's a great pick here. So that's at number two. And at number one is one I was really surprised by. I saw this one with the most votes throughout all the platforms, and it's Shawshank Redemption. Fun fact about this movie, also from 1994, which in my head, I think 1994 is one of the greatest years of film. And I think I'm actually going to do an episode on some of the greatest years. 1994, yeah, one of the greatest years in movies. You have not only what we already mentioned, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, The Lion King. I think all of those could have easily made this list. But when it comes to Shawshank Redemption, I, for me, I don't think that's the most rewatchable. I wouldn't want that one for the rest of my life. I did enjoy it. I've probably seen it a couple of times, but I think after you experience that movie once, it affects you the way it did. I really don't see myself going back and wanting to watch that again. Not saying it's not a great movie. I was just surprised to see that one with the most votes. Appreciate everybody for sending in those votes. If you don't follow me on the socials, it's at Mike Distro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm always throwing movie topics out there if you want to get in on those. And you can always email me too, moviemikeD at gmail.com. Love it when you guys interact with the podcast. I think that's what makes this really fun to do. Let's get into a movie review now. I want to talk about Godzilla vs. Kong, which is available now on HBO Max at no additional cost. It's also in theaters, on IMAX, and all the things. And before we get into this review, here's just a little bit of the trailer. Mr. Rensen is out. These are dangerous times. Godzilla's out there and he's hurting people and we don't know why. There is something provoking him that we're not seeing. The myths are real. There was a war. And they're the last one standing. So I gotta say, I was pretty excited to watch this movie. Basically the biggest movie since Wonder Woman. And this is really the first big blockbuster of the year. In its opening five-day weekend, it took home $42 million, which is a pretty big triumph. And we're kind of in that process now of movies coming back into the movie theater. Last week, we saw a bunch of movies just get delayed by one week, which I think is a little bit weird. Everybody's kind of waiting for that right time to hit. And I love that they went ahead, put this one out in theaters, and it's now available also on HBO Max to watch at no additional cost. And I have to admit, though, I was a little bit taken back by the way HBO Max rolled this out. Because when they made the big announcement that movies were going to be available in theaters and on their streaming service at the same time at no additional cost, I was excited about that. But when it came to King Kong, it came out in theaters on Friday and I wasn't able to watch it until Wednesday of this last week. So there's a little bit of a delay there. And I was coming in the episode before ready to give this review and had to wait to watch it. So I'm not ready to go back to a movie theater yet. I'm about one vaccine shot and two weeks after that ready to go back to a movie theater. So I was excited to be able to watch this movie because it felt like the first real big movie in a while, probably since Wonder Woman. And I'm not the biggest fan of either the Godzilla or the King Kong franchise. I did rewatch the 2014 Godzilla in preparation for this to kind of put me back into that state. And I am more Team Godzilla versus Kong. Again, this is spoiler free and I won't reveal what happened in the movie between the fight. But I just think Godzilla is a much more superior and complex titan creature. And I just like his story a little bit more than Kong. I feel like... We're going into this, I thought there was no contest that Godzilla would win. So this is me even before watching the movie knowing that I just think he's the more superior monster in this. I also just like his origin story better and on screen when he appears, I just think it's more dynamic and just a lot more powerful. So I'm King Godzilla all the way. 
Now, when it comes to this movie, the biggest takeaway is that the visuals are amazing. And I think they should go on to get an Academy Award for how much was put into the special effects. Because the problem with a movie like this that you could encounter is that there's just so much going on the screen that's not actually existing in the real world. Godzilla and King Kong do not actually exist. They're all computer generated, and I have to give it to them that they were able to make it so realistic and so lifelike that there was very few moments where I realized I was watching just two fictional characters fight on screen. They appeared real, which is a weird thing to say because it's not like an animated movie, but it's just so detailed and they got that so right that I felt made this movie that much more enjoyable. I believe that there was a world where these two titans actually existed and I was all in. Oddly, the part I didn't like about the movie was the human element. I felt that story took a little bit away from it and I feel like us as viewers... We're a little bit more able to adapt and adjust to what is presented to us. And I almost think they could have kind of taken away the whole human storyline and them interacting with King Kong and Godzilla just a little bit. There's a whole kind of side story with like Millie Bobby Brown's character who was in the movie that I felt like it didn't really need. It took away a little bit and added nothing to the overall story. I felt they could have focused so much more on King Kong and Godzilla made that more of the narrative and taken away kind of the human element. At least that was in my opinion. I felt like at some points they were overstating things happening in the movie and it felt a little bit cheesy in that regard. But the overall premise of this movie is Godzilla comes back and you kind of think he's bad at the beginning and attacking for no reason. You later find out the reason why he is and they try to bring King Kong into... And at the same time, King Kong is being held in captivity, and the whole kind of thing comes together where King Kong is taken out, Godzilla is free, they can't exist on a world together, so they fight. He escapes from captivity and then battles Godzilla in what I think is one of the greatest fight sequences I've seen in a really long time. So this movie is really just big fun. It's big monsters fighting each other. And kind of think watching this movie like the animalistic part of my brain kind of came out because I'm not really into MMA or boxing or anything like that but when it came to two monsters fighting each other I was on the couch like riled up wanting Godzilla to punch King Kong in the face and it's just really just big stupid fun like there's nothing complex about this movie there's nothing there's no overarching theme throughout the movie it's really just two big monsters fighting battling it out with the best special effects i think in hollywood right now so visually there were so many things i liked about it i already went on about the way they looked but i mean just the landscapes of the places they were fighting in whether it was them fighting in the ocean or them fighting in hong kong visually it just looked amazing i liked all the neon colors so on their own, I don't think Godzilla or King Kong are really the strongest franchises. I don't think they really are. I wasn't really excited about them until they put these two franchises together. And now I think if they make another one of these, I'm all in for it. So I really think this works. Probably the best versus movie I've seen in a really long time. And taking two really kind of historic and legacy franchises that have been doing okay, putting them together, I think it works. Again, nothing groundbreaking here, but if you're looking for something just fun to watch, sit down with some popcorn, escape reality for two hours, I think this is a really good movie to do it. I would give it 3.9 out of 5 heat beams. Yeah, we'll go with that because I'm Team Godzilla. 3.9 out of 5 heat beams for Godzilla vs. Kong. I think it's as good as a monster movie can get and has really just made me excited again to have big movies back again. Glad to see it doing well at the box office. I think this is a great thing of signs to come for movies.
coming back, y'all. All right, and speaking of Warner Brothers movies, let's get into some movie news now. The biggest trailer that came out last week, we finally got a glimpse at what the new Space Jam sequel was going to look like. If you missed that trailer, here's just a little bit of it now. I'm a cartoon? What's up, Doc? Come on and I need to assemble an elite team to help give my son back. I know what you're looking for. A dream team. Man, shoot the ball. Let's try that again, shall we? So some exciting things about this trailer. I feel a little bit better about it now, but this trailer seems pretty intense. And I feel like they're making Space Jam a little bit more dramatic and powerful as the first one. The first one was great because it was just funny and lighthearted. And this one kind of looks like they're making LeBron James a superhero. It feels like a superhero trailer. But some things I did like about the trailer was the use of 2D animation whenever LeBron James first gets put into Toon World. And it has that classic Looney Tunes vibe, which I just love. And I love any time any movie now uses any kind of 2D animation because I think it's it's a great look and it's a great medium. And the cartoons that I grew up with all look like that. It's what the Looney Tunes look like. And I just think anytime you can put that back into a movie, it really gives it a great fun feel, especially when it comes to a Looney Tunes movie. The other cool thing about the trailer was all the Warner Brothers characters that they're incorporating on this movie which is a lot different than the first Space Jam. I mean, I saw glimpses of Scooby-Doo, there's King Kong in there, and then, of course, all the classic Looney Tunes characters are back. And I think visually they look pretty cool. It's a little bit more updated, of course. It has more of a video game vibe than the original, which I think I'll get used to later. But again, it's a kid's movie. I'm kind of holding on to my millennial. (laughs) This is not the Looney Tunes I grew up with, but I'll grow out of that. I, I understand that. They have to make it different. And then when it comes to LeBron James, we have seen him act a little bit. I don't think you're going for a spectacular LeBron James performance. I think you get out of him what you kind of expect. I like him just fine. I do think he has some comedic chops, which we've seen before of his acting. And I'm excited to see how he carries a movie as a leading actor. Also in movie news, Netflix shelled out $450 million for two Knives Out sequels. They will be starring Daniel Craig. And this is basically one of the biggest deals ever made for the rights to a movie series. And we're kind of seeing all, not only the movie studios battle against each other, but all the streaming platforms now too, because they want them to go to their own streaming services to get people over there and subscribe. And now Netflix is really just kind of establishing its dominance now, which you forget, it's the OG. It's the major player here in all the streaming rights to major movies. And they're now wanting to scoop up all these big titles to get people to come over to Netflix. I think this was a great get for them. I think the Knives Out franchise does have some potential here. The first one was only a $40 million budget and went on to make over $300 million. So kind of an unexpected hit there. And I think where we're going to kind of see some great things as just viewers is that all these studios competing, all these streaming platforms competing is going to be great for us because we're going to get the best content. The part where I think we're going to struggle a little bit is knowing what's on what. And now I'm kind of starting to see the appeal of just having a $30 flat rate wherever you rent movies, being able to get these new movies when they come out. Because when they start going to different streaming services, if you don't have that service, you either have to sign up, bug somebody for their password, or just find a way to watch these movies. You get confused on what is available where. I had that same kind of thing once King Kong came out. I was like, wait, 
um, I canceled my HBO Max. So now I had to get that back to watch this movie. So it is kind of chaos right now. Everybody kind of figuring out how to adapt to being able to watch things at home and just being able to have things out in the theaters. It's a little bit more complicated than we all kind of thought. So this year we'll kind of be shifting to this new kind of way of having everything split apart especially when big deals like this go down, but excited to see where that one goes and how it's now going to be on Netflix. And then finally, in movie news, I did mention it earlier, but the numbers are pretty great for Godzilla vs. Kong, now reaching about $200 million worldwide and basically the biggest pandemic movie to date. The others have been Wonder Woman and Tom and Jerry. I mean, we're really seeing Warner Brothers just kind of kill it right now. Those are all three really big movies to come out and all Warner Brothers movies where I feel like they were the most kind of innovative and progressive in launching the same day at home on HBO Max. And it's proving to be pretty successful for them. I think everybody else is kind of hesitant to do that. But we want to watch movies. We want to see them when they come out. We're kind of tired of things getting delayed so much. So I love that they just put out these movies, adapting to the way things are and just kind of giving us as viewers what we want the next one i'm excited to see from them is the mortal kombat reboot which has actually been pushed back a week because of godzilla versus kong so another one of their movies out they didn't want it out around the same time i think a pretty good move there but again i just want to watch mortal kombat already because what they're doing is basically 30 days after it comes out on hbo max it goes away they're giving it kind of space to breathe before this one comes out so if you're waiting for that one you got to wait another week I'll have that review on the podcast as soon as I'm able to watch it. That's going to do it for movie news. But before I go, always got to give my shout out of the week. This comes to anybody who sends me a DM, a message on Facebook or Twitter. And this one is actually from Facebook. It's a comment from Keith Dye who commented when I posted about Quentin Tarantino's birthday. He said his favorite movie was Reservoir Dogs of Quentin Tarantino. And he said, hey, but really any of them are spectacular. Could I get a shout out on the podcast? I love it and listen every week. I just don't have Twitter. So Keith, I'm looking out for you here. I look at all the Facebook comments. So if you don't follow my Facebook page, it's just at Mike Distro on Facebook. Also have an email here I wanted to share. My email is moviemikeD at gmail.com. And it's from Kim. She writes, hey, Mike. Love the podcast. Thanks for keeping me in the know on new movies. I was listening to the episode about Best Picture nominations. I haven't watched any of them yet, but which one would you recommend that I start with? I also had a non-movie related question. How many jobs do you have now and how do you handle doing them and the podcast each week? Thanks, Kim. So first of all, when it comes to the Best Picture nominees, I think the one to start with if you haven't seen any of them is Promising Young Woman. I think overall... That is the most just entertaining movie, no matter what level of film fan you are. I think you could watch that one and enjoy it. So if you haven't seen any of those yet, I would go with that one. The one I would say probably to skip overall or put it at the very bottom of your list is Mank. I think that one was just the least enjoyable for me. The most artsy and the one I just didn't really find myself wanting to even finish watching. And that one was on Netflix too. But yeah, start with Promising Young Woman. And to answer your second question, how many jobs do I have now? I really can't count how many I have now. My primary job is a writer on the Bobby Bone Show. I also manage and run the entire Nashville Podcast Network. We have about 10 shows here that I kind of oversee and also work with Bobby to find other new podcasts that we like to bring onto the network. So it's kind of managing that whole world. And I've since added a new writing job where Bobby now does a weekly 
And then every week I sit down and do this podcast of my own on the network. And I've even added a new job recently, which I'm writing for Bobby's new Twitch show, which is called On Time with Bobby Bones. A lot of that is just writing jokes, scripting out the entire show and kind of finding things we can do on that, which is a whole new adventure. If you haven't watched that, you can actually listen to the last episode of the Bobbycast. We put the entire audio of that episode up as its own episode. So again, the Bobby Bone Show is my main job. I have other writing jobs within that, like the Country Top 30 I do a little bit on, the Women of I Heart Country. We have a night show. I have a lot of different jobs. It's just something that I've always kind of taken on anything that was kind of thrown at me because at one point I had no jobs and I was just trying to get myself into any way possible. So even if I didn't exactly know how to do one of these things, I would take it and figure it out. So that's kind of where I am right now in all of my jobs. Those pretty much keep me busy throughout the entire week. But really, one of my favorite things is just to do this podcast. It's the one thing I kind of have complete creative control over and about a topic that I'm the most passionate about. So I really appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast every single week, especially those who have been with me from the very beginning. I hope to keep doing this podcast as long as movies are a thing. Hopefully they never go away. Of course they won't. And I'm really just excited to get back into a movie theater again. So that is it for this week. Thanks everybody for hanging out with me on this Monday or wherever you happen to listen to the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you tell all your friends if they're looking for movie recommendations to check out the podcast. I will talk to you all again next week here. And until then, later. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.